Fallout, a news podcast for geeks by geeks, where our hosts talk news headlines, comics, tech, and have in-depth discussions on all things geek. Keep calm and venture into the wasteland. Well, hello, fellow podcast listener, and welcome to Geek Fallout Reloaded, the news and discussion podcast for geeks by geeks. I should say the bi-weekly news and discussion podcast for geeks by geeks. I'm your host. My name is Chris Lockhart. I apologize. I have uh, what I call yearly allergies. Uh, like I'm, I always have allergies, but it's certain times of the year where it seems a little bit worse. And um, this time of year, with the snow melting and the snow mold and and all that kind of stuff, uh, I apologize if uh, uh, I sound a little nasally, and I apologize if I clear my throat a few extra times than I normally do in this episode. But I'll try and keep that to a minimum. Uh, but joining me on the line is my co-host in crime, Mr. Kevin Decent. How's it going, Kev? Uh, it's going well today, Chris. And, and honestly, um, time of recording here, I, I think you may have just saved me my own allergy struggles. I wasn't even thinking, but uh, I'm headed north, well, north for me, mm-hmm. uh, for Easter. And uh, where I grew up, I would constantly have allergy attacks and, you know, just dripping and snotting and, yep. you know, everything for the entire season of whatever it was that was doing it to me. And where I live now, whatever it is, whatever pollen, plant, whatever the heck is not down here, so I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm going north in a couple of days, and I wasn't even thinking it. It could already be starting. I I need to get it now. If it's starting, like if if you're being affected by snow melt and stuff blowing around, then I probably, you know, my area in New York probably will be too, because it'd be a little more maybe a little bit warmer so stuff might be out even more or blown around or whatever yeah yeah it's uh oh, awful yeah that transition it, and and it seems like in the fall too like when all the leaves fall and and everything yep. gets dustier like that's just the worst for me in the summertime i don't know it's not as bad but like yeah i you know i can only be outside for so long and then i go inside because i just <clears throat> i don't know just my allergy. Yeah, I, I was. Yep, I'd get it bad for a few weeks, and it, you know, the the spring one and the fall one. Yeah, and and it seemed like when I was a kid, it never really affected me. So I I, I kind of think uh, I don't know one the one guy that I talked to who who uh, um, specialized in uh, like um, home remedies and stuff like that. He he was he suggested to me that uh, milk, like because uh, like milk sometimes will affect uh, a person, like, and that he thinks that because I because like when I was a kid I used to drink milk all the time, like that was like my number one drink. I would I would I would sooner have a glass of milk than like a can of pop or a glass yep. of juice. And he said like milk's actually not good for human consumption on you know, a steady basis. Um, and that, that might, may have had played a part in my allergies. I, I don't know how, but I was like, okay, you know, I did drink a lot of milk. Um, but also, um, my, where I used to work, I used to work in a sawmill. So it was quite dusty at times. Um, and I think being around all that dust, you know, has 
made it worse for me because I definitely started noticing it in my twenties. Um, allergies and as I get older, I guess it just gets a little worse. But no, oh, well. let me tell you though, when I would get that scratchy throat feeling with an allergy, <clears throat> milk was the only thing that would help it. Yeah, I know. Um, like, like I don't know. Nowadays, I don't really drink milk. Like, I, like I'll uh, I use soy milk for my cereal. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally I'll have like a chocolate milk, like a, you know, once in a blue moon type of thing, but not too often. Um, but anyway, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> at the time of this recording, um, my, be- I had a question for Kevin. My beloved Edmonton Oilers are on track to probably have the best regular season that they've ever had since, I want to say 1987 or 1988. And they possibly could finish first in their division, which hasn't happened since then, since Wayne Gretzky was an oiler. Um, So, you know, I'm super excited. It's a great time to be an Oilers fan. But, Kev, you're in uh, New York State so what, I think I might have asked you this before, but I can't remember. Which NHL team is closest to you? Got to be Rangers. Rangers? And, um... Well, are, am I technically closer to Toronto or New York City? Well, then there's Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Buffalo's probably closest. Oh, okay. Like, if I had to drive, I could probably get to Buffalo first. <clears throat> Like you, yeah, from where I am, yeah. Um, did you were you, did you ever uh, follow hockey locally, like when you were growing up? No, no. Um, I, I never. No, I mean, I just never got into sports for anything really. Yeah. Um, funny thing though is, um, uh, I I was actually uh, mentioning it to someone. Oh, my dad, a couple weeks ago. Um, live hockey, I think, is the best sport I've ever seen live, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to sit down and watch hockey on TV, but if you told me I could go watch a hockey game live, you know, college, pro, semi-pro, whatever, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I definitely could see that. Like, for me, like, I'm, like, I'm an Oilers fan, and I credit my dad for that because my dad, you know, I've said this before, as much as I'm a Star Trek nerd... My dad is a hockey nerd. Um, and, and, I mean, my dad, he's also very knowledgeable in all areas of sport, you know, whether it be baseball or, or even soccer. Um, you know, he, he, he just loves sports, but hockey is his preferred sport of choice. Kind of like me, like, I'm, like I love Star Wars, I love um, fantasy stuff, you know, science fiction, comic books, but Star Trek is, like, my number one. Um, so because of him, you know, I grew up watching the Oilers and, and, uh, I just, yeah, I'm just, uh, an Oilers fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, this season they're doing really, really well. And, uh, you know, they're the only, they're the only hockey team that I'll actually watch on TV. Um, like, like I'm not that much into hockey where I can just like say, watch Toronto, play the Canadians or Vegas play the Nashville Predators. Like I, I, like if, if like I always say like, you know, next time I go to Vegas, I want to go to a Golden Knights game 
And I don't care who they play because it's live. Like, I'll watch them live. But to watch them on TV, I, I, it has to be the Oilers playing somebody. Otherwise, I don't really care. Um, but anywho, Kev, I, I wanted to get your thoughts because on this past weekend, it was WrestleMania. How was, <laughs> how was the WrestleMania experience this year? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Such a loaded question right now, Chris. Um, all right. So for, for anyone that follows me across stuff... And, and, you know, welcome. You know, I, I'm grateful that Chris has me on every time we do this. Yep. But if, if, you, if you follow me, um, you know, my other stuff, um, I, I worm my way in for this other podcast called Dad Odds with Wrestling. And they're the ones that, uh, like, if there's not a pay-per-view, they do a homework assignment. And I usually write something up on my blog for it. And then, you know, they'll discuss some of my points. And they have a voicemail line I call into every week and ask a question or say something stupid. So I called in for this week and I, I was so measured because I have such conflicting feelings because of WrestleMania weekend mm-hmm. that, uh, the voicemail is only like a three minute long, uh, you know, uh, recording thing there. Yeah. And I'm like, if I go off, I'm going off for 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not sticking in the three minute thing. Uh, so I got together with um, some of my best friends and we did, um, there's a, there's an app called Fight TV that has deals with all of these wrestling companies around the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of which were in LA, which is where WrestleMania is doing their own shows. So I think over. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we may have watched like nine wrestling shows, maybe more. Oh, wow. In, including both Nights of Mania and yeah. WWE NXT and, you know, all this stuff. <clears throat> um, and so I'm watching uh, like all this independent wrestling on there. And, you know, some, some people that, you know, were in WWE and are now in, you know, smaller groups or some people making appearances or whatever and watching so much fun wrestling. So then uh, night one of WrestleMania happens, and when it was over, I thought, that may have been one of the best WrestleManias I've ever seen. Hmm. And, I, and I can't wait for them to continue for it tomorrow. Um, tag title main event for night one, uh, the women's match, uh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, they beat the hell out of each other. Um, like, w- one of the best women's matches I've seen. Uh, there was a four tag team match where they just, you know, all were going at it. And it was kind of thrown on last minute, but mm-hmm. everyone in it was like, you're not going to put us on last minute next time and really busted their ass to have like a shockingly fun match on there. Like there was just so much going on. And the set is incredible because they got like this whole Hollywood thing. Yeah. Uh, the entrance, the entrance ramp almost looked like an Academy Awards red carpet entrance thing. Hmm. And just amazing looking. And uh, the arena they're at was like 80,000 people. Like, just everything about it. Like, this is what I love about wrestling. So then Sunday night, night two, 50-50 show, I'd say. Mm. Um, the stuff I want... Are, are you going to watch it or anything? Like, no, 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 no. You go ahead and okay. spoil No. The main event, though, mm-hmm. was Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. Roman's held... Uh, He's held one title. He has both. He has Raw and SmackDown title. Um, he's had one of them. I forget which one he got first for nearly a thousand days, like 970 or something like that now. So um, 
longest reigning champion since Hogan, I think. Hmm. Since Hogan's first run. Yeah. In, you know, what, like 84, 86, around there. Um, but Cody Rhodes, the whole story for the last year since Cody Rhodes came back last year, the night after WrestleMania, is I'm going to win the title my dad never did. Dusty Rhodes. Okay, yeah. That has been the whole story. And Cody, legit, for real, when he was negotiating with WWE seven years ago, he was still there before he left. And he said, okay, if I'm going to do a new contract, I want to be world champion. And they said, you will never, no, you're not world champion material. And that's why he left. And he went all over the world and he helped form AEW and he worked for all these other companies and he became a star outside Mm -hmm. the WWE. Yeah. So when they brought him back, it's prodigal son returning. It's you told me I couldn't make it and I made it. And now I'm going to come here and take and finally get the thing that you said I would never win. Like, that's the story. Mm-hmm. And he didn't freaking win. Ooh. That the sucks. Roman Reigns win. So, like, we're all shocked. Yeah. You know, and, and some people kind of, you know, because, I mean, like, cheer boo whoever he wants. So some people are like, ha I told you. You know, and I'm like, all right, maybe the story's going to continue. Like, it would have made a lot of sense for him to win it at Mania. But I'm like, okay, maybe they're somewhere that's more of a dusty roads area than LA, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be in Florida soon or Texas or something. I don't know. You know, maybe they want to do a title change there. Um, they're doing a big show in Saudi Arabia again. Maybe they want to do a title change there just for more money and stuff. I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to be patient with it. You know, I was shocked, but I, I had trust in triple H as the main writer yeah. currently. So then the Raw After Mania happened. And the Raw After Mania, for the last 15 years at least, I'd say, has always been like the biggest Raw of the year. Mm-hmm. This is when stuff happens. The last year was Cody Rhodes' return in WWE. It's a huge moment. So this is when people return. This is when people debut from NXT. This is when you might have like a, a shocking title change or a shocking angle take place. Yeah. Like this kind of kickstarts the next year. And that's the way it's been for years. And nothing happened on it. Hmm. One one person returned who was out because he went to rehab. No one got called up from NXT. No one debuted in the company. And Cody Rhodes gets buried by Brock Lesnar attacking him. Hmm. And I'm like, this show is awful. Well, it turns out Vince McMahon's back in charge writing. Oh, okay. And so out of touch, but because of the WWE being sold to UFC deal, yeah, or the company that owned UFC Endeavor for nine billion dollars, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, part it sounds like part of the deal is they want Vince in charge. Yeah. Or you know, it's more money with him in charge and him being part of the company. Yeah. So Raw was horrible. The the rumor like. To the, I mean, it's it's flat out known. Like he he wrote it, he did it. Um, apparently he showed up to Raw. The script was already written, and he was tearing it up and rewriting and changing things like as the show was going on. Huh. So, like one of the crazy rumors, and I don't know. Obviously, one of the crazy rumors. Triple H started out the show. He went out and he thanked everyone. He's like, "This was the most successful WrestleMania as ever. We couldn't have done it without you." You know, long live WWE. We're going to be sold, but we're not going anywhere. And then he came back, and Vince was sitting there in the 
in charge position. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, thanks. I guess we'll just peace out. Um, Seth Rollins came out for a segment. Um, Seth's a multi-time world champion. He had a match against Logan Paul at Mania that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. He comes out for a segment. So his music hits, he walks up to the ring, and they're like, okay, when we come back from commercial, we'll hear from Seth Rollins. Come back from commercial, the fans are singing his music, which they do now, and he's doing like an orchestra bit, leading them along singing, and he just walks back. That was it. He walked out, had the fans sing his music, walked back. Everyone's like, well, that's freaking weird. Yeah. No. Uh, big rumor is two guys from NXT were supposed to debut as part of like some new group or story or whatever with him. Yeah. As he's walking out to the ring, Vince McMahon changed his mind. Huh. Seth Rollins was told during commercial, never mind. He just rewrote it. And then he's just standing there looking like an ass, so he just conducted the fans and walked back. Yes. Yeah. So what else are you going to do? So, uh, the time of us recording this, um, tomorrow night on SmackDown, there said, like, Triple H will, will, will appear on SmackDown and say something. Who knows what? It's probably just going to be the same rah rah. We're not going anywhere thing he did from Raw. Mm-hmm. But of course, everyone's like, maybe he's leaving. Maybe they're doing this. Maybe they're doing that. I don't know. It is the, uh, there's a website that ranks wrestling shows, you know, like fans can come, like, a like an, uh, Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb ranking, you yeah. know, like fans can just come in and rate shows. Uh, it was rated the lowest raw ever. Oof. In whatever, 25, you know, 30 years of raw, 30, yeah, 30 plus years of raw existing. Yeah. It's ranked as the lowest one ever. Um, and I was just so frustrated. This, was my yeah? This is why I was trying to not rant uh, for the podcast I call into and streamlined it for them. Yeah. But, um, like no one, no celebrity owes you anything. Because uh, coincidentally, during Mania, they, there was pictures of like some of the talent being harassed at you know airports and restaurants and gyms and everything. It's like just let, there's a time and place for autographs. And me just trying to eat my freaking dinner or get my bags is not it. Yeah. And, and I agree. I, I I don't like celebrity stalking to get your picture, your autograph, whatever. There's yeah. time and place, you know, like, and they don't owe you anything just because they're famous. Does not mean you get to interrupt them just trying to live their life. Yeah. You know, but if I am paying for or taking time out of my day to watch something, read something, you know, like I, I'm choosing to spend my time doing this instead of anything else I could be doing. I expect to get my time and or money worth. Yeah. Whatever I'm putting into it. So if I'm sitting down to watch three hours of Raw, I just want to be entertained, enjoy it, not feel like I'm being insulted, talked down to, don't matter. You know, like, I, I want to feel like it was worth me sitting down for it. And not everything has to be, like, a 10 out of 10, but for the overall three hours of the show, I need to feel like, okay, I'm, you know, there's some stuff that sucks, some stuff that was great, I'm fine with spending my time doing that and that raw on monday i felt just insulted and just a waste of my time halfway through i gave up and i just grabbed some comics and i was just reading comics and had it on and i would look up every so often and see what was up yeah like i've never turned away from wrestling yeah 
so unless something happens like for SmackDown coming up or, or next week's Raw, I, I like I've never been to the point where I'm like, you're insulting me as a longtime viewer. And maybe it's just maybe it's time for me to just, you know, spend five minutes looking at highlights on YouTube instead of three hours. Yeah. Well, that's I'm, I'm glad the WrestleMania was good. It's just too bad. You know, everything else that happened. Oh, Mania was good. A lot of these indie shows were incredible. Like, I, I saw, you know, people from Japan, people from, you know, all over the world I'd never seen before. Um, we, we saw a horrible injury on one show, and I feel bad. The kid's like 22 or 23 and broke his ankle. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's out however long. But, yeah. like, it just, you know, you know, we saw people, like, run the ropes. You know how Undertaker used to walk them? Yeah. That old school move? Yep. There are people now that can run them. Holy shit. And keep their balance on it. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's amazing stuff. And then just all that goodwill gone in three hours on yeah. Monday. Still mad about it. Well, um, I can kind of relate, Kev. Uh, I'm going to transition into uh, one of my news items here. So, is when it, I. Is, is it a Star Trek show? No. No, because all right, because like this, this is the closest I'll get with uh, just a tangent for a second. When you feel as a longtime fan, just insulted and upset by something Star Trek, like this is the closest I'm going to get to that. Yeah, that, that that's akin to how I've felt. <laughs> well, and it's not Star Trek I'm going to be talking about. It's actually Star Wars I'm going to be talking about. Oh, okay. So when I when I actually wrote this, this was before. I seen the the latest episode. So apparently the season the Mandalorian is losing viewers. Like people are are dropping off, viewerships down. Um and there's so many reasons I think why. And, but you know, like I've always maintained like I'm I'm still enjoying Mandalorian, you know, like is there things that I wish they would do or have done differently? Yes. Uh but I'm sticking with it. But then this this week's episode, um, you're saying like this week's Raw was the, is being regarded as the worst episode of Raw. Uh, this week's episode of The Mandalorian is without a doubt the worst episode of The Mandalorian um, that they've ever done. Um, it is being compared to uh, the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, so what what happened this week? Um, well, I'll, yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll talk about this week's episode, then I'll kind of talk about the season as a whole and what I, what I've heard is going on. Um, so this week, the reason why it's being compared to the Christmas special is because in the, you know, 1977 Star Wars Christmas special, um, you know, they had B. Arthur, you know, running the Mos Eisley Cantina. They had, uh, Art Carney, you know, hanging out with the Wookiees and stuff like that. And, it, you know, it was, it was just kind of all over the place, right? And it just, it fans, you know, were confused. George Lucas, basically, I think, I think, I think, honestly, him doing that helped fund uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Because uh, he, he took a big gamble with The Empire Strikes Back. Um, but that's a whole other story. 
So he kind of had to do this, right? And it's kind of regarded as like one of the worst things that Star Wars has ever done. Um, but this episode of The Mandalorian is very much like that. Uh, first, first off is like the cameos were very jarring this this week. Uh, Jack Black uh, showed up in The Mandalorian um, as like a former Imperial turned regent, I guess. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. I love Jack Black. I really do. But Jack Black is one of those celebrities. I think that, um, he's kind of like Will Ferrell. Like if Will Ferrell shows up in the Mandalorian, it's, it's over, you know, like it's, you know, you've went too far. Like Jack Black is Jack Black. You can't really shake that. Like he's not, you know, like he's just kind of himself and, and, uh, so having him there was kind of jarring. Uh, to be honest with you, and then his um, uh, co-star, his the princess, uh, I guess, or or queen regent, or I, I'm not sure uh, her rank, uh, but his wife was played by Lizzo, um, you know, the rapper and and pop star, and you know, I like Lizzo, I like her acting, or no. Sorry, I don't like her acting. I like her singing, but she's not a good actress. Uh, so I really didn't like her acting in this episode. It was it was really bad. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm again disappointed with uh, some Star Wars fandom out there. You know, like this was a bad episode, uh, but you know, rather than just focusing on what was bad, you know, they there's a lot of comments being made about Lizzo's weight. Um. And I just think that's ignorant and not called for. Um, you know, just, I, I, I just expect better of, of science fiction fandom. Uh, and then the last big cameo was Christopher Lloyd. He showed up. And he basically plays a Scooby-Doo villain in this episode. And, it, yeah, it's... It, it was so ridiculous. There's one scene, like, and I'm not making this up. So Lizzo is like, like I said, she's like an elected queen or princess or something. And she literally, at the end of the episode, spoilers, uh, she knights Grogu. So she knights Baby Yoda. Uh, she gets a sword and does like what Queen Elizabeth used to do when she knights somebody. And it was so corny that Katie, like, when you're watching the scene, if you look at Katie Sackoff, who plays Bo-Katan, because she's standing there, it, you know, kind of in the background, it's almost, you can almost see her laughing, you know, because it's, it's so ridiculous what, what, what happened in this episode. Um, and it was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who had previously directed a couple of good episodes of The Mandalorian, so I don't know what happened here. And this was written by John Favreau. Like, that just blew my mind. It's like, the guy that created The Mandalorian, you know, like, he, and he's written some of the best episodes. Like, this is what you did? Um, so, but at the same time, you know, I, I gotta remind myself, you know, this is the same universe that has Ewoks, right? <laughs> so, you know, ridiculous things do happen, and it can work. This episode, unfortunately, it didn't work um 
and I like honestly when they were walking through like their kingdom or whatever, it it felt like this this was the most Disney episode of The Mandalorian ever so far. Like it it really felt like you were walking through a Disney theme park in this episode. Um so yeah, a lot of people are not happy cuz this this you know, like I said this season was already kind of being criticized and ridiculed. Um, you know, viewers are leaving and this episode did not do any favors to, to the Mandalorian. Um, now what I think is going on, what I've heard is going on is, uh, a few things. Uh, first off, this is, um, you know, uh, studio interference. Um, Kathleen Kennedy is the, the lady that runs Lucasfilm and uh, you know she a lot of people don't like her you know for what she did with the sequel trilogy and so on and so forth and you know the you know she uh, hires you know these activist writers to write things and anyway the first couple seasons of the Mandalorian you know they kind of you know from what I've heard is she kind of left John Favreau and Dave Filoni alone to do their story. Uh, but then after, cause, uh, season two of the Mandalorian really ended on a high note, you know, uh, like basically they come to the end of the quest for, um, the Mandalorian finding, you know, the Jedi to, you know, pass baby Yoda off to and the, and they had, you know, Luke show up and, had Luke do some, you know, kick-ass stuff, and, you know, the the big bad of the series, Moff Gideon, is arrested, and Baby Yoda goes off to train with Luke, and, you know, it, it would, you know, if the series had ended there, it would have been a satisfying conclusion. But then when they uh, were doing the Book of Boba Fett, uh, I'm told that Kathleen Kennedy basically told them, like, uh, Grogu, Baby Yoda, has to come back. Um, because, you know, uh, he's hot, you know, he's hot merchandise, you know, people are buying baby Yoda dolls, baby Yoda this, baby Yoda that, like, you know, like, it's just huge because they didn't have that in the first season because the first season they couldn't make merchandise for Grogu, um, because then it would get leaked, you know, like someone Mm -hmm. at the manufacturing plant be like, who, you know baby Yoda oh my god you know like this is you know this is crazy this you know um so they had to keep it quiet so I think after season two like when the merchandise started hitting the shelves and you know things were selling out and Disney's making huge bank you know for you know the toys and stuff uh Kathleen Kennedy put her foot down and was like no you got to bring it back we need to uh we need to keep this going and from what I heard John Favreau was not happy with that uh, because when they did the book of Boba Fett, cause they kind of fast tracked that series. Um, and they got Robert Rodriguez to, to show, to come in and do this show. And then like, it was like episode five or four or five. Uh, one of those episodes it was basically like an episode of the Mandalorian. Like it, uh, it was an episode dedicated to the Mandalorian that de- dedicated to baby uh, Yoda. Uh, Luke showed up in that episode, you know, and Luke, uh, gives Grogu a choice, you know, you can either walk the path of the Mandalorian or, or stay with me and walk the path of the Jedi. Um, which, 
um, you know, Obi-Wan said in uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, when, uh, when Anakin said, you, either you join me or you're my enemy or something to that effect. And, and, uh, Obi-Wan said only a Sith deals in absolutes. So the fact that Luke made him make this decision is kind of goes against what the Jedi were, were all about. But anyway, I digress. Um, so they brought him back. He, he came back in the, the season finale of Book of Boba Fett and reunited with, with the Mandalorian. So I think if you hadn't watched that, which I think a lot of people didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett, I heard a lot of people dropped off. Um, coming into season three of the Mandalorian, you know, they're back together. It's like nothing, like, it's like the season two finale didn't happen and people were confused. Why would why would you have this you know them reunite on another show like that makes no sense, um, but they did and I'm told it's because Kathleen Kennedy and that she you know put her foot down. So from what I've heard and also this season uh, because they are doing an Ahsoka series and that's Dave Filoni series he's been kind of focused on that not so much the Mandalorian this season. Um, even though he's a, you know, executive producer and everything. Um, so he's not, you know, the Mandalorian isn't getting the attention, um, it deserves from him. And then also I've heard that John Favreau, cause he was going to do that, uh, um, uh, what, what, what Rangers of the New Republic. It was going to be a Cara Dune spinoff. Um, and then, uh, well, what the actress that uh, plays Cara Dune? Um, um, um Gina, Cron- Gina, Gina Carano. Gina Carano, yes, Gina Carano. Um, because after season two of uh, The Mandalorian, she had a tweet. I think we're and I forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I maybe I'm misremembering, but I think what the tweet was is she was I think comparing, um the vaccine mandates to, you know, the Nazis mandating things. Mm -hmm. So she got canceled, you know, like, um, and uh, cause apparently like Disney wanted her to, you know, do this, uh, you know, she, uh, do a meeting or something with, you know, some group and basically, you know, eat humble pie. And she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So they, so they, uh, canceled her. Her sh- and that was John Favreau's show, the uh, the rep- um, oh why do I keep blanking on this show the the the, the uh, rep- New Republic show, uh, the Rangers of the New Republic, because uh, that was supposed to be Cara Dune's show. It was John Favreau's show. John Favreau was doing that show. Dave Filoni was doing Ahsoka, and basically. When they canceled the the star of his show, he wasn't too happy about that. And apparently that show's done. Like they're not gonna do it. So he's so this season they've been integrating some plot lines from that show into The Mandalorian. So it, it's kind of a mess, unfortunately. And you know, there's only two episodes left, and it just uh, you know. I just hope uh, next season's better. Hopefully things settle down and 
And I just wish Kathleen Kennedy would go away because she's not good for Star Wars. So anyway, uh, that is what's going on with that. Um, all right. So uh, another news item I had is Kang, Kang actor Jonathan Majors was arrested for assault March 25th, according to TMZ. He allegedly assaulted uh, a female uh, companion. Uh, March 26th, uh, the, a day later, his accuser recants the assault allegations. Um, but apparently there's video of this, so I don't know. Like, it just... Like the, like the Justin Roiland thing, like when, you know, he was not found guilty or whatever, when they dropped the charges, you know, um, doesn't mean he's a, a, a nice guy. It doesn't mean he's not, you know, free of, of what, you know, whatever he was accused of. It's just they didn't have enough evidence to convict him. And with this one, Jonathan Majors, like... I don't know. Like it's it's it doesn't look good. And I know the U. He had some ads with the U.S. Army that they were going to run, and then they pulled those because they don't want to be associated with somebody that may have assaulted a a, a lady. Um, and then like Mar Disney and Marvel are like really not addressing this. Like they're downplaying um what happened. Like it's like the secret invasion trailer like dropped right after this it's like marvel's like nope don't pay attention to that pay attention to this we got the show coming out in june we think you're really gonna like it it seemed like they were really you know playing damage control really trying to deflect things and as a star wars fan it really ticks me off that uh you know they'll cancel gina carano but they won't cancel him you know, and he may, you know, because, I mean, he is going to be the major Avengers villain. You know, like, he's, you know, the new Thanos for this new phase. Um, so, I don't know. It's doesn't look good. And But anyway, Kev, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, um, a, a lot, because uh, I was talking to my kid about it, um, just... You know, because uh, with YouTube, too, like, you know, they'll see stuff of, and by they, I mean, like, any kids will see stuff of, you know, uh, here's what's happening for Marvel coming up. Here's what Marvel has to change. Like, there's all sorts of videos like that. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, going to see this. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, like, Ant-Man Wasp is, you know, mostly done with its theater run. Um, and that will probably be on Disney Plus fairly soon. And then you got until Loki, I guess, whenever season two, that happens, yeah. I think, the end of this year. Um, and so you got your time to do some sort of investigation, figure out something. Yeah. Now, if you was accused and it's nothing, you know, all right, let's, let's just, no one do anything for right now. We're all going to just stay quiet, shut up, see what happens. If it turns out to be nothing. Okay, fine. I get that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes not, re you know, what, like, release a statement and then recant it later on. Like, let's just keep quiet and see what's going on. Yeah. But 
even though she dropped the charges, there were so many people like, you know, random LA bloggers and, and reporters and, you know, uh, my, I, minor, I don't mean that as an insult, just not to be on the same mm-hmm. pay level. He's that yeah. saying like, Hey, we've known stuff about him for years, but that's just the way Hollywood works. You don't say anything. Yeah. Until it, I was gonna, through mainstream press, you don't say anything. I was going to say it was it was very reminiscent of the Justin Roiland thing, like where all uh, you know all of a sudden all these things come out, like oh yeah, he was a creep, he did this, he did that, and it was kind of like that with him, uh, Jonathan yeah. Majors. Like oh, apparently he was a jerk, you know, at in the, you know doing theater, you, you know, like he would yell at people and and all this other stuff and get confrontational. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, in a way, and, in a way, I'm glad Disney didn't like overreact and be like, "Yeah, we're canceling this guy." Like, no, like, like I, I agree. You know, people shouldn't be judged in the court of popular or the court of public opinion. Sorry, they shouldn't be judged in there. It should be judged in the courts. But I mean, if there's, you know, stuff that's not right, you know, you, you shouldn't do business with someone like that. Like Gina Carano. Like, I really think they jumped the gun on that. You know, like, I, I realize as a public figure, you, there's certain things you shouldn't bring up. There's certain things you shouldn't say. Like, even even like myself, like, not be, not being a celebrity, just a regular dude, if I went on social media and started posting some questionable content, my employer would be like, hey, you know, like, that's not that's not acceptable. You know, like, you, you are representing us... Um, you know, by being in our employ. Um, but I, I really think that, um, you know, Gina Carano wasn't right with what she did. She, you know, should have realized like, you know, I shouldn't be, you know, posting stuff like this. Um, but at the same time, I also think Disney overreacted, you know? Well, the, the Carano one though, didn't it come out later on that she had been told many times, Hey, shut up. On social media, and she didn't. Yeah, so it, like it, she, she'd been warned, you know, yeah. off the record and privately numerous times. Yeah, I think so. so yeah, it, so I don't think it was so much like Disney jumping the gun. I think it was. Listen, we've already told you three times. Clearly, you're not listening, so you're done. But we didn't know they'd already warned her, so it did seem yeah sudden. Yeah, you know, um, majors there like. And uh, I don't mean this to sound, you know, flippant or rude or anything, but like the unfortunate thing is for society in Hollywood, we got a lot of actors that have hit women that are still working. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, they issue an apology and they do a teary eyed interview and everyone just moves on because of money. Yep. You know, like going all the way to Sean Connery. Like there, you know, there's so many stories. Um, so I honestly think he'll do some sort of press release, therapy, you know, counseling, donation to shelter, whatever, and they'll move on. Yeah. Um, so I don't think anything's going to happen. It, it should it? I mean, it absolutely should. But I just think, you know, money and everything else, it unfortunately won't. And honestly, considering what the character is, you could recast and just be like, oh, the timeline change is all weird. Yeah. Like, you yeah. could easily recast Kang 
as part of the storyline and just keep moving forward. Yep. And it wouldn't affect anything. You know, like it's two extra lines of dialogue in there to explain it away and it's accepted and keep moving. Yep. Um, so you, you could dump him, you know, um, but I, I mean, freaking a Dana White who owns, you know, who runs UFC was marketing this slap fight show that he had on TBS in the States. I don't know if it was aired in Canada. At all. It's literally just two people going up there and slapping each other. Um, and he's trying to make a sport out of it. Yeah. And the week, week or a couple of days before it's supposed to debut on TBS, he gets caught on camera slapping his wife at a casino in Vegas. Hmm. Nothing fucking happened. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, I think, um, like, Hollywood, going forward, they really need to do their due diligence when they, you know, like, especially when, because, like, with, with Jonathan Majors and, and you know, you said uh, Dana White and, and um, you know, another person that comes to mind is Ezra Miller. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to literally, and, you know, you're banking on this person to help you bring in billions of dollars, uh, millions upon, and then possibly billions. Um, maybe you should know who you're working with, you know, like get hire a private investigator. You know, if there's any dirt that's going to be found, find it before you start, uh, investing in this guy. Cause yeah, like, yeah, with the, with Jonathan majors, like, I mean, if these stories are true, like that he was, you know, like this is a, not a, you know, a new thing for him. Um, Marvel should have sniffed that out a long time ago and been like, we'll, we'll find someone else. There. So what the hell show was I listening to? Um, I can't remember right now. So some other podcast or something I was listening to. Mm -hmm. And, they're making a point on the show of you only get charged with something if you mess with someone who has more money than you do. Mm -hmm. Bernie Madoff stole a bunch of people's money, but until he stole money from people that were richer than him, no one did a thing or cared. Yeah. You know, and you got all sorts of stuff like that. So Ari, you know, Jonathan Majors hits someone. Is, is, is she paid more than he is? Does she have more money than he does? Nope. Then nothing's going to happen. As yeah. for Miller, like, it goes on and on. And, you know, like, I, I still listen to some of the Kevin Smith podcasts. I still listen to, you know, podcasts of, of people I know that, you know, they, they work production. They work, you know, um, grip, whatever, in Hollywood. And so many of them are like, okay, I know stuff about these people. I know these actors, producers, directors, studio heads, whatever. Mm -hmm. Some of them are horrible people. They've done awful things. But if I want to keep working, I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And like, I hear, you know, to, to go back, I hear stuff in the wrestling world all the time. Yeah. Why does this person have a job? Well, we can tell you why that person has a job. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, it, it's because of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, Unfortunately, you get to this millionaire and billionaire level, and a lot of the people, that's just how the stuff works. Yeah. 
And, and meanwhile, people like you and me, you know, bust our ass and try to be moral and, and yeah, you know, like toe a certain line and stuff and we get nothing for it out of life. Yeah. Yeah. But we're good people though. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but anywho, um, so the next one also another uh, millionaire, uh, Ike Perlmutter. <laughs> uh, he got laid yeah, off by Disney. Yeah. For, for people who don't know, he was the chairman of Marvel Entertainment. So he was the guy that was in charge of the, the comics division of Marvel. And uh, I think it was everything other than the movies. Yes. Um, and yeah, he's he was shown the door. And, and I mean, this is just uh, Disney, like they said, they're laying people off. And they're getting rid of redundancies. So what does this mean for Marvel? Um, I don't know. It's because Marvel's, you know, the comics division, I believe, is still based out of New York City. Um, So now they want to consolidate everything with Marvel. uh, Like, basically, they want to bring everything, you know, in-house. So Marvel is going to be like one thing going forward. Yeah. so does that mean the comics division, what's left of it, moves to L.A. now? Because that's where the movies are? I mean, D.C., they did the move to L.A. Jeez, when was that? 2016? 2015? Something like that? Um, so, you know, maybe? I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, he's, you know... Um, I don't know, maybe he was like, uh, I don't know who I'd compare him to, but he was the guy that, you know, was running the comics, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, other, other businesses, but, um, no, Disney's just, uh, you know, they're laying people off that they think are redundant, and I guess Perlmutter was considered redundant, and I just wonder how this is going to affect the, you know, the comics going forward. Um, because from what I understand, and I don't know, people have been saying this for years, you know, comics, you know, they're not doing good, you know, comics, they're going out of business. From what I hear, things are still not doing that good. Um, you know, so that these kind of layoffs, yeah. So not, not good for, for Marvel, that's for sure. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts? So, um, no one liked Perlmutter at all from from everything i've heard and understand at all no one really liked him no one's sad to see him go they're sad to see the position go yeah because that's the the head of marvel and we don't have that now but he he pulled stuff like he's the one that took the x-men off the board from the books for forever because well we can't use x-men in the movies so why would we publish them it's like because they're freaking x-men they still bring in money yeah. So he was the one that downplayed them for years and tried to bump up uh, the Inhumans. Yeah. Um, and, and, but then, uh, and I think he's the one that fudged up everything for uh, why the, why S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Captain, or Agent Carter there don't really fit into MCU anymore. Yeah. I feel like he was messing around with that a little bit too. But then, um, like there were stories that came out and I had forgotten about it. I heard about it forever ago. Um, like to save costs at Marvel, he anyone that worked at Marvel had to bring in their own toilet paper from home. Yeah, 
I, I've heard stories you know, like, like that too. Yeah. Story. No. So, but Marvel as a comic publishing entity, and, and I get Disney wanting to get rid of redundancies. Okay, why would there be a Disney accounting department and a Marvel accounting department and a Star Wars accounting department? Why can't we just have one accounting department? Okay, yep. that would make sense. You know, there there's certain things like that that I would understand. But if they're like, oh, hey, in New York City or wherever, we have a company that's Disney Books, for example, and they print all the Disney books. Okay, why don't they just print the Marvel books, too, and the yeah. Star Wars books? Like, why have three separate printing presses? You know, like, if there's something like that, I would understand get rid of redundancies. Yeah. But Marvel is a publisher as the bullpen as like, you know, the Stan and Jack and, and the images we have of, even though I don't know how many people go into the office. Most of them are probably remote from home or, you know, wherever at this point, Yeah, you know, or, or have their own studio set up thing. But for the image we have of Marvel and, and, a, and a bullpen and a core there and all uh, Marvel for the comics is your IP farm. Yeah. It's your story farm. If you want to continue to do movies and TV shows and video games and cartoons and all this other stuff that makes the real money, you need the stories first. Yeah. However you adapt them, however you change them or whatever, you need this machine to keep cranking out stories and new characters and stuff like that, that you can then milk and cherry pick. So you need it going on. Um, single issues in stores. No, they don't. Unless like, honestly, variants, variant covers do more for comics than I think a lot of comic stores and collectors want to admit, mm-hmm. but you know, Oh, I can sell this com the same comic here 10 times. Cause there's 10 different covers of it. All right. That helps keep stuff afloat here. Yep. You know, um, no matter what company's doing it. Oh, these crossovers are terrible. They are, but it gets people buying the shit though. Um, so, and the single issue format is single issues like what's needed to just keep the money running, but it's not like the actual money. Yeah. In a way. Um, because it is the, you know, the movies and TVs and stuff that steal or borrow or adapt whatever their ideas from the single issues. But also, honestly, the graphic novels too. Mm-hmm. Whether you go into a bookstore and get it or comicsology or your local comic store or whatever, graphic novel sales are incredible and still doing well. Um, manga sales are crazy. Not that that's Marvel, oh, yeah. but still like manga, manga sales are nuts. So there is the market to buy collected comics, but you need those single issues to drive making a graphic novel at all. Yeah. And you need the single issues to get the graphic novel. You need the graphic novel collection to have something for the movie companies to go, Ooh, that's a really cool story. Let's do, take this one. Mm-hmm. You know, you need this whole thing rolling and Disney printing, publishing, whatever doesn't have a thing like that. If anything, Disney's the one that, you know, like they had a uh, Gladstone publishing when we were younger that would have like uncle Scrooge and Mickey mouse and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they had a Disney comics thing for a while. But even now, like there's a there's a Disney Gargoyles comic, but it's published through IDW. It's not published through Marvel. Yeah. And then there was like a Marvel Kids line that IDW was doing it. It's like, why is that Marvel publishing Marvel's comics? So we're already seeing like, hey, let's farm out this thing. 
Yeah. Now I could see that happening. I could see we're closing Marvel offices. We own all the characters. We have editorial. We have oversight, but we're going to let other companies deal with the printing. So we don't have to do it. Yeah. You know, we're going to do some sort of license licensee, you know, character fee here, whatever. Cause there was a big rumor that that's going to happen to DC comics. Like that's that rumor has been around for a couple of years now. Yeah. Of DC's not going to publish them anymore. They're going to just have, you know, hey, who who wants to take Batman for kind of like the Conan rights or the Star Wars comic rights bouncing around? Yeah. Like, hey, who wants the rights for the Batman stuff for the next year? Okay, do what you want, but obviously we get the lion's share of it, and we have, you know, editorial oversight, oversight, yeah. whatever. So I could see Disney like, screw it. Why are why do we have this whole separate office? when we could just have Image or Dark Horse or whoever the hell published the Marvel ones for us. And we can save X amount of money by doing it that way. I could see it. And and honestly, for me, like, I, you know, to go back to, you know, other properties that have been, you know, bouncing around different publishers like Star Wars or Conan or whatever, there's been good stories from all the publishers. Yeah. As long as I still get good stories... I don't care where it got printed. Yeah. The only thing that could fall away is your shared universe. Yeah. Like, like if you farm this out, do you have, say, you know, uh, Image gets the rights to make X-Men comics, but Dark Horse has the rights to publish Avengers comics. And so now there's no crossover of characters. You know, like, if you do this, does the Marvel Universe stay together or does this break it up? Yeah. But if it stays together, I don't care who published it and, you know, in what state, country, whatever, and who has the rights for that. Just as long as the story's still good, that's fine. I mean, yeah. take a novel. I don't know what, and I, I don't track down what company printed the novel. You know, like, I don't know if, I mean, Star Trek has, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of novels by now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what company published them, but it doesn't matter what company published it. Is it a good story? Yes. I'm, I'm buying it, I'm buying it for, you know, the name Star Trek or the author who wrote it or reading the back and saying, oh, that story sounds interesting. I'm not once seeing what book publisher made it. <laughs> Yeah. That's not factoring into my decision at all. Yeah. The the only thing, like, and, you know, using the Star Trek analogy, because it used to be pocketbooks, and yep. I'm not, I can't remember who the current, po- it's it, it changed. Um, but the thing I find, though, is sometimes, um, you know, when you switch companies and stuff, is you can, creative, sometimes creative people fall through the cracks. Like, for example, like Star Trek, a lot of those classic Star Trek writers are not writing current Star Trek books. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's the new publisher won't hire them or if, you know, there's a mandate, you know, we just use, you know, authors that are, you know, below the age of 40. I, I don't know what, I don't know what the mandate is, but I just know some of those classic Star Trek writers just ain't writing Star Trek novels anymore. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the, this, the change in this company. It seemed like when pocketbooks... When they left pocketbooks, it changed. And I kind of worry about that with with Marvel uh, and DC. Um, Because in some ways, you know, like when an intellectual property 
you know, say goes to Marvel, it's a good thing. Like Conan, you know, in my opinion, Conan kind of got a little stagnant, you know, when, you know, the last few years it was at uh, Dark Horse and, you know, it was kind of, you know, same stuff all over again. But when they moved to Marvel again, like, what was it, 2017, um, it was amazing because you had Marvel writers and Marvel artists working on these books. Like Jason Aaron did a great run. Um, I think Chip Sadarsky did a great run. And these are Marvel guys. Um, and I just worry, like, now that Conan's moving to another company, I can't remember what the, the company, um, is he going to get as as uh, good attention um, from those writers and artists as he got at Marvel? I just kind of worry, you know, like if Marvel characters go to, like, let's say IDW or Dynamite or Boom, whoever, Dark Horse, um, you know, maybe some of the creatives won't, will fall through the cracks. Like, they won't make that transition because... Uh, either, you know, the company that hires them doesn't want to work with them or maybe isn't offering the same rates that they were getting at Marvel and they're not going to bend, right? So then they bring in, you know, someone that will write for that, you know, rate or draw for that rate and you may get an inferior product. So that's kind of my fear. Um, if we, if Marvel and DC kind of close up shop and just, you know, farm it out, I kind of worry, like in some ways it could be a great thing, you know, maybe, you know, you get fresh perspectives, you get, you know, fresh talent, you get maybe some DC guys working on Marvel that wouldn't have had that opportunity and vice versa otherwise. Um, but I just kind of worry that, you know, some you know, great creatives might fall through the cracks as a result. Because, um, like, yeah, like with the Star Trek books, like, I mean, there's some, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some great, you know, Star Trek writers, you know, doing the, you know, the newer stuff. Uh, but, you know, it kind of breaks my heart when I don't see, like, you know, a new Star Trek novel by Peter David, you know, or or Michael Jan Friedman. Because um, those are my two favorite Star Trek authors, but they're not doing Star Trek books now. And I don't, well, I know Peter's got health issues, but I, I, but this was happening before that. So I don't know what, what happened. Um, but anywho, um, so, um, the last bit of news I have, an, uh, E3 2023 is canceled. Uh, so this is like the, big convention for gaming um it was supposed to take place july 13th through the 16th uh but it is now canceled um and i thinking uh the reason why it was canceled is because uh you know nintendo's doing its own thing um you know disney has d3 you know, there's all these other, you know, these companies that would have normally went to E3 to make their announcements and hype up their stuff, but they're not doing that now. You know, like I know Star Trek has, you know, like they, I can't remember what their convention was called, but um, they have their big Vegas convention. Um, so they're not making the big announcements at, you know, San Diego Comic-Con. 
Um, so, I, you know, I'm just thinking, yeah, like, you know, E3 just wasn't attracting um, the people like it used to. And also, I think another uh, thing is uh, with gaming, um, ga you know, gaming journalism's kind of coming to an end, I think. Um, like we saw, you know, that reboot of G4 tanked, you know, it, you know, there were other reasons involved with that one. Um, but I think a lot of these gaming shows, like now that you can watch people play games and review them live, you know, on Twitch or, or, you know, any of those other sites, um, you know, and people are doing YouTube videos and stuff you know, faster than, you know, like a print magazine can do or, or like I said, all these other companies are doing their own conventions with their own announcements. Um, I think, uh, things like E3 and, you know, these, you know, magazines and stuff that are kind of going away. It's a result of that, you know, it's just the, the change in, in the culture. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that? You know, and I I was thinking about it with um, uh, listening to Wizards podcast and how that mm. yeah, when when Wizard was out, that was how we got our comic news. Yep. Even though you know they knew months ahead of time, and there's a printing deadline and publishing and everything, you know. Um, but that was how I would learn about. Here's an announcement from San Diego Comic Con, and it's months later, but that's how we learn. Or maybe maybe they would know it was coming and could, you know, like, oh, we're going to have a page or two for it, and next month we'll have more. But at least yeah. you got something quick, you know. But still, it wasn't instant. It wasn't the same week, day, much less hour that was going on. Um, G4, when it was five days a week live, the the original, and not just G, it was really Attack of the Show and X-Play, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, but when you would have five days a week, live and and all the news and everything amazing shows absolute best like i i oh it's it's seven o'clock i gotta sit down and watch attack of the show because i'm gonna get my humor and my geeky news and my memes and you know i'm gonna have movies comics video games everything that interests me in this and humor in this new show yeah and then when it came back it was like just doing the jokes and, and talking about stuff, but I didn't feel like there was news. I didn't feel like there was anything breaking. I didn't feel like I was being informed. Yeah. I felt like it didn't feel like news. It felt like a reaction. And there was a difference. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, why, why do a magazine and, here's this news that's at best a month at best a month old mm -hmm. when everyone knew about it the first minute. Yeah. You know, um, a, a video games out at midnight and by 1230 people got their reviews up on Twitch or YouTube or whatever. And, you know, going through stuff, you know, you can upload a playthrough, you know, um, you, you get a game at midnight, you can up, uh, upload a playthrough before people are awake and have reaction to it. Mm hmm. Um, the only thing in E3 or anything like that would be if you're having major announcements. Here's this video game we're debuting. Here's a new thing we're, that's going to show up. But most of these, 
uh, game companies either that make the systems or make the games have their own shit that they do that at. Yep. You know, oh, here's uh, here's our unveiling of stuff and we're going to do everything here. Okay, so why would that company go to a convention to announce stuff when and share that spotlight with every other company doing it when they can just do their own one and have the same amount of fans and, and save money overall and get all the attention. Yep. <laughs> um, I was talking to uh, a coworker about uh, conventions. He was telling me about uh, like New York Comic Con in San Diego and stuff. And just like the way that the ticket thing is for it now, like, okay, you have to stand in line to get a ticket to get a place in line. Does, mm-hmm. But that just the ticket only guarantees that you're allowed to stand in line. It doesn't guarantee you get into the panel. Yeah, it just lets you stand in lines. Like, okay, so I'm standing in one line to get a ticket, stand another line later, and I don't know if I'll be able to go in. So I'm at this convention, I've spent X amount of money to even attend, and I'm spending the entire time standing in lines, crossing my fingers that maybe I'll get to do something. Mm-hmm. Screw that. And, and and that's the thing. If I go to a, a convention, I want to go to do things. I don't want to go to stand in line for the day. Yeah. You know, if I'm standing in line, it's for a guarantee. It's for Disney. Okay, I know this line's two hours long, but I'm going through Haunted Mansion. Yeah. And that's going to be worth it at the end. I have a guarantee at the end of it. I'm not going to stand in line for four hours to see, like, let's say Kevin Smith. And four hours later, I'm told it's so it's sold out, and you just wasted your time. Yeah. So why go if you're a fan? Why go to a thing like E3 and like, oh hey, there was supposed to be an announcement for I don't know, like God of War, or Call of Duty, or you know whatever the hell, and you know it's it's sold out, and there's no thing, and everything's already up on Twitch. Yeah. All right, then why did I waste my time and my money going to this convention then? Yeah. I think it's just changing. And, and honestly, like, um, you know, the Nintendo Power and EGM and what was it, Game Pro, like all, you know, all those magazines that is stuff people could just search either play through on YouTube or an article in two minutes. It's not worth it. Um, I think I've told you before on here, like, one of the only magazines I still get is a horror and monster one because it does deep dives on old stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not about doing anything new it's about doing like research and history yeah. I'm like okay that's the only reason i'm getting it because it's already old outdated stuff yeah that's the whole point of the magazine that's not trying to break anything new here yeah if you're breaking something even newspaper and i i absolutely believe in journalism and print media and you know the 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 fourth what is it called fourth estate fourth pillar whatever there mm-hmm. um but like why why am I why would I spend the money on the newspaper when it everything's a day old, if not worse, by that point? Yeah. Well, for the comics, which I love, but you know, yeah. I'm also not spending the money on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah, like you said, Kev, it's it's yeah, it's like wizard, it's like all them, like it's just you know it's outdated. You know, and Unfortunately, you know, when you, when you have a convention specific, um, you know, you know, center, you know, like the, this is gaming and this is, this is it. 
Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like what, uh, Star Trek conventions went through, like for, you know, like when I was growing up, uh, you know, eighties and nineties, um, you know, that they had Star Trek, just Star Trek conventions. You went to these convention, you know, creation used to do them all over, you know, it, you, they used to come twice to Edmonton a year, uh, once in April and once in October. And, you know, you go there and the dealer's room's just pretty much strictly Star Trek stuff. You know, it's all Star Trek panels and all that. Um, but eventually, like, they just weren't getting the attendance, right? So eventually, you know, they like they kind of focused everything on this big Vegas convention now. Uh, but that's where you see, like, you know, all these other conventions popping up now. Like, you know, like the Calgary uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo. Uh, that's coming up at the end of this month that I'm going to, and it's got everything. You know, it's got stuff for gamers, it's got stuff for Star Trek fans, Star Wars fans, comic book fans. You know, like um, cosplay is a big thing. Like it's it's got something for everybody, and that's, um, you know, what how uh, how they have to do things now. Like you have to diversify. Uh, like, for example, like, my daughter and I are going to this convention, but we're going for very different uh, reasons. Like, she's an anime and manga fan, and she likes to cosplay, and that's why she's going. Uh, whereas myself, I'm I'm going to meet, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox, who are Daredevil and Kingpin from the Daredevil show. That's my big thing that I'm going to be doing, uh, because I love those actors and I love that show. You know, still my favorite Marvel series, Daredevil. Um, but also, like, I'm going to look for, you know, old, you know, books that I can't get anymore that are out of print. You know, hopefully, you know, I'm going to go check out the comic books and, you know, I shouldn't buy any more Funkos, but I probably will. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's got something for everybody, you know. So even though her and I, you know, like very different things... Uh, not that I don't like anime or manga, but I'm just not in, as into it as, as she is. Um, you know, we can both go and both, uh, you know, in, enjoy our weekend. Um, but yeah, if you if it was strictly a Star Trek convention, which I'm going to in in July, I'm going to Volcon this year. She's not coming with me because there's no there's nothing else but Star Trek and. Uh, she just doesn't, you know, like, she doesn't care. Um, and I think that's what's happening with, with these. And I think E3 is one of the last ones to really hold out on just, you know, this one thing, right? But, yeah. And even though I'm not a gamer or anything, you know, it's just still sad to see it go because I can totally relate. You know, like, you know, we and we've talked about, you know, like, Wizard Magazine and stuff like that that, you know, is gone now and Starlog and... You know, I miss those things, you know, but there's just, in, yeah. in the modern world, there's just no place for them anymore. You know, TV Guide, you know, I used to love TV Guide, um, but yeah. So anyway, Kev, did you have any other news you wanted to share? No, no, we've actually, because um, I was going to bring up WrestleMania earlier, I didn't think you were going to, so we went through that when I heard Excellent. No, I, I, you know, like I, I didn't watch WrestleMania, um, but you know, I knew it was happening this weekend. I saw, I think you, you tweeted it and, um, 
I was watching an Oilers game at the time, so I was pretty excited. Uh, it was a good good weekend. Um, you know, I, I actually um, just quick because uh, my yeah. kid and I did it today. There were uh, some comic related trailers that dropped. Oh, and <clears throat> what I was most excited for before watching them and what I'm excited for after watching them are two different things. Okay, do tell. So uh, there was a, a final trailer for Guardians 3, because mm-hmm. that's coming out next month. Yep. Looks great. Looks like it's going to be a very emotional movie. Everyone's predicting, you know, someone's going to die in it or whatever. Yep. But looks like fun. Um, Secret Invasion trailer? Mm-hmm. Meh. Like, I... Knowing what the Secret Invasion story is, I wonder if the trailer is just purposely not telling you or revealing a whole lot. Yeah. Is my best guess, because I'm like, that's it? Like, there's a, there should be so much more going on to this story than what you're showing here. Yeah. But maybe you're doing a less is more approach. Maybe everything I saw in trailers just the first episode out of, I forget however many there are. I'm like, I'm going to watch it when it comes out, and I'm sure I'll enjoy it. But this trailer's trash. Like, it really did, it, it did nothing to hype me up for it. Um, yeah. In, into the Spider-Verse trailer, oh, oh, my God, it looks so much fun. Yep. All the different Spider-Man from the different realities, all the inside jokes and memes in there, and who it looks like the bad guy is going to be for it is not what I expected at all. Mm-hmm. So very interested, and it looks like lots of fun. We can't wait to see it. But the one that shocked me is the Blue Beetle trailer. I still haven't seen that. Uh, how does it look? It looks amazing. It looks so good. Like I, I can see someone seeing the trailer immediately going, oh, it's DC doing Iron Man. And there's stuff in it because it is an armor, an armored hero. Yeah. So I can, I can see that example at first. But I, I think once it gets going, they'll be like, oh, this is nothing like Iron Man. It's just they're both in armor. But yeah. that's it. That's where the similarities end. Because there is so much stuff just packed into that trailer. And the trailer looks like maybe the first 15 minutes of the movie. I'll, but, have, to, I'll have to check that out because I, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's from Cobra Kai, the guy who's playing yeah. uh, Blue Beetle. And uh, I, I really like him on, like, on Cobra Kai, so... Well, and it has, it's also just, I mean, because it's, it's the new Blue Beetle, it's Jaime Reyes, yeah. it's not Ted Cord, And they're absolutely embracing the, and, and anyone listening, forgive me if I'm not using the right term, like the Latino-Hispanic family and culture and what would be his life, yeah. you know, like, let's not hide it, like. You know, we're going to have Spanish and English here. We're going to have a certain family dynamic. We're going to have a certain, you know, look and and responsibilities and expectations and culture and everything and roll with it. And I'm like, shit, I've never seen that in a superhero movie. Like this, this, uh, not that I don't want to say Black Panther level because that was something else entirely. Yeah. But I'm like, oh. This is going to be a superhero movie that speaks to a lot of people that don't have a movie that speaks to them for mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And I think it's going to make a ton of money and be a lot of fun for a lot of people. And my kids are just like, oh my God, I had no idea this movie was going to look so cool. 
Like, I'm most excited. I had no expectations for Blue Beetle, and I think out of all the trailers, I'm most excited for that now. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I, I still haven't seen I don't think I've seen the final Guardians trailer either, or um, I don't know if uh, there's a different Secret Invasion trailer I haven't seen. Um, but to, to go back to Secret Invasion, um, even when they announced it, like I knew that was going to be a tough thing to do, to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, for starters, um, you know, the original Secret Invasion, you know, involved the entire Marvel Universe, and you had, you know, all the heroes, you know, some of them were being replaced, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so how do you do that? Like, first of all, I don't think that it could be done as a movie, uh, because it's, you know, there'd be too, too, too many, um, you know, if you're going to do like with all the heroes and everything, it would be just too much for one movie. But if you're going to do it as a TV show, you can't have all the heroes in it just because of budgetary reasons. So, you know, I'm... I'm I'm hopeful, you know, because this might be you know Sam, you know Samuel L. Jackson's final outing as uh, Nick Fury. So, and Amelia Clark's in it. I love Amelia Clark. So, you know, fingers crossed. I'm hope hoping. Um, and then Guardians Three, uh, I've already bought my tickets for, um, just because um, uh, tomorrow at the time of this recording, I'm going to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, my daughter and I are going to it. And uh, when I was picking my tickets, because, you know, it's that type of theater where you, you know, order your ticket online, you pick your seats. It Like, I w- I, we're going to the 11.20 a.m. showing, and I think there was only, like, four seats left. Really? Um, yeah, and this is, like, a week ago. So I was like, holy crap. So when I see in the Guardians, because it's the same theater we're going to, when I seen the Guardians tickets were going on sale, I ordered them right away because I was like, I don't want to be like sitting right up at the front. But I, you know, like, because I'm off that weekend. So I want to go see it. I want to see it opening weekend before, you know, I hear any spoilers or anything. I, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, get it over with because I, you know, I, I really like the first two guardian movies i like everything about the guardians like when they showed up in infinity war and endgame um you know i thought it was great i thought the holiday special was great um yeah you know i you know and this might be their final you know movie together you know definitely james gunn's final movie for marvel uh if he's gonna be running dc i can't see him doing marvel movies um so i really wanted to go see this one um so I, I yeah I had to make sure that I got my tickets ahead of time just based on Super Mario because I couldn't believe that I was like wow this is the eleven twenty a.m. show and it's going to be packed. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that to watching that tomorrow. Um, all right, well Kev, let's move on to our brain candy segment. Uh, so this is the segment where we talk about things we're watching, reading. Whatever we're putting into our brain, um, and then we can make it a pick or pan if if we want. Uh, Kevin, what do you got this week for brain candy? Okay, so still, you know, for longtime listeners, uh, the year long read of Sandman, mm-hmm. uh, slowly going through Big Bang Theory, which I, I think by the end I'm going to have certain opinions on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but watching it this way, like. 
as dumb as the show is, as much as sometimes I don't like it, um, I will give it credit for reinventing itself every season or every season or two. Yeah. Like what that show started and what it ended are two different shows. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I got to give them credit for it, but I'll, I'll hold off as I make my way slowly through that. But uh, this one came through work and one of the other guys at work um, read it immediately. It's four, four volumes for the graphic novels. He got all four and then he's like, you have to read this. I read the first one, thought, okay, this is crazy. And I got the other four or, you know, the other three for all four total there. Just finished it this week and no one knows about it. So four volume series, it's called the Ogre Gods. Hmm. So it's originally a French comic translated, brought to America. And the, the tagline that was on their Kickstarter was Game of Thrones meets Grim Fairy Tales. Hmm. And that's a pretty good one for it. So it's Ogre Gods is like a medieval kingdom ruled by giants. But they're lazy and they're dumb and there's infighting and and breeding and everything. Mm -hmm. And stuff happens within their royal family. But then you also have the humans that are their servants and stuff happening within their world, too. And there's stuff of like, okay, the giant, like, here's the giant that's the leader. He's big and dumb and he doesn't leave the castle. And we'll say, oh, this needs to be done. And he just signs it with an X. So really we can do whatever we want in the kingdom and just put, and just put it in front of him and he'll okay it. But we gotta be careful because if he's in the wrong mood, he'll just eat us or squish us. Yeah. So you have like these elaborate, like royal family intrigues and wars and battles and death and murder and conspiracy and stuff like that. And then almost this comical, like be careful or giant will step on you while yeah. they're moving around. And then the humans with their own stuff. And it's just crazy. Be- freaking beautifully drawn. It's black and white. And, and it's so the inks and the depths and everything are so rich. You forget it's black and white. Because, awesome. like, the depth and the texture and layers of it. And then they'll get to a point where it's like, oh, okay, um, we mentioned this thing going on, uh, so now we need to tell you about this thing. And they'll switch to all prose for, like, five pages. And the prose is so detailed of, like, here's this other thing happening in the kingdom right now. I'm like, this five pages could be a full, like, 200-page graphic novel mm-hmm. telling all of this stuff. But they're like, no, we just need you to know this thing so we can move forward to the next thing or because we're going to make a reference and you need to understand that reference within this world. Yeah. So over the course of the four books, it, it's probably like two, 300 years of history, but the way it bounces, it's like, okay, we're going to tell this story from this angle, then tell the same story, but from the side character here, we're telling the same story you read in book one from mm-hmm. his angle. And it's a whole different perspective and story. You're like, Oh my God, I'm understanding so much. And then here for the third one, we're going to tell what happens next, but from a totally new perspective. So it's going to open your mind to everything that's been happening. And for the last one, we're going to go back to the beginning and reset it again. And you're just like, I'm 
you know, like no heroes, no villain. Well, no, there's villains, but like no one's perfect. Like everyone's yeah. flawed, and and there's parts of it that are rough. Like just like there there were parts that just skirted the line of like I might put this book down. Yeah, but yeah. it's done in such a way that you're entertained and engrossed and all, and you're like. Uh, oh god, my heart's breaking for what's happening. This is horrible, but I need to keep going because the story's so amazing and fascinating for it. Um, so like all four volumes are out on you know Amazon and and various other services. I think it's like twenty five each. Uh, I got them through work at the library, so I paid nothing. <laughs> and and what, what's uh, what's this called again, Kev? The Ogre Gods. The Ogre Gods. I'm gonna check that out because that sounds oh, awesome. God. Um, the, the fantasy element and everything, and then freaking we, me and the coworker there were like, "Oh, does this guy have anything else?" And we find out that the freaking author died fairly young too. Oh, and he, he's won all, all these awards in France, and this is the only one that we're finding that's been translated into English. Huh? Like he's done other stuff that's not related to this world, just you know, other creations. I'm like, anything this guy writes, I would want to see. It's great. Well, yeah, that's the thing, like, um, and I've heard this before, that France actually has a really good comic book creative community. Um, like, I yeah. know, like, Asterix comes from uh, France, and I love Asterix. You know, I well, I, I grew up, have... I, I don't know if you know who, who Asterix is, but I love those comics. Asterix and Obelisk. Yes. We had, uh, yep. we had a whole team that work about it, because I said... It's amazing. Like, here's these European, and I just did a blanket European one. Yeah. But like, here's these European comics that have sold millions of copies in Europe that have won these amazing awards that are translated into other media. And no one in the States knows about them. And if you do, it's because you're a super geek of a certain level. Yeah. So like, Asterix and Obelisk, I believe, is still one of the most sold like most copy sold comics in the world ever maybe there's some manga that overshoots it mm -hmm. but otherwise i think asterix noblex has sold the most it's rare like maybe one of a hundred people in this in the states yeah i think would know who, who and what it is and that's pushing it well even but like even in canada like um i i uh knew a guy um he was from uh quebec and of course, you know, with Asterix being, you know, fr uh, from France, you know, like, like Quebec gets a lot more French stuff, um, than the rest of Canada because Quebec is, you know, a French, French is the mm -hmm. first language in Quebec. Um, so they get a lot of stuff from France and he, like, he was shocked that I knew who Asterix was and Tintin because, you know, that's yeah. another, another big property from, from France. Tintin was another one that we were mentioning. If you know Tintin in, in North America, honestly, it's probably because you watched it on Nickelodeon mm -hmm. when they had the cartoon on there. The Steven Spielberg like CGI Tintin movie is grossly underrated. That's yeah. an amazingly fun movie. But the comics are unheard of over here. Um, Smurfs, the original Smurfs comics, are actually good. Mm-hmm. And when you realize what it starts with, like, like here's a story of two teenage boys surfs in this medieval 
you know, setting and what's going on. The Smurfs were bit characters that then became their own thing. But those original comics are great. Uh, Disney comics, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck ones that are huge in Europe. Yep. That don't cross over here. It's a whole other world of them. Even Judge Dredd is known for two movies over here, but not the wealth of social commentary that's the comics. Yep. And then we went off on a tangent. I'm like, okay, we know. All right. So there's more, you know, here's the European comics that just, here's what we know of, but how much are we unaware of? We know of manga because manga is huge, but there's a lot of other countries in Asia that probably have their own comics and, and, and amazing stories there. Yep. Like, you know, does Australia have a whole comic scene? Does Africa, does South America, like these other parts of the world must have something like that, that we are just, ignorantly unaware of <laughs> that yep. would be amazing yeah I know um, when my brother-in-law first came to Canada he's from Sweden um, he had like a stack of Disney comics and I like I just couldn't believe it I was like he's, he just loved them you know and yeah and I, and I grabbed some of them I grabbed some ones that you know these were originally published and whatever yeah you know European country and they're finally being brought over, you know, adapted into English or first time states or whatever. And they're freaking brilliant. Some of them are just incredible. And I'm not even just talking about like, you know, the Carl Barks, Uncle Scrooge or, or yeah. whatever. Like not, I mean, yes, those, of course, but not just those. Like there's so many that are incredible and it just doesn't have the same market over here. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, did you have anything else, Kev, for uh, for brain candy? No, that, that that's been my big discovery and, and joy since last time there. I'm, I'm trying. I, I actually I, I posted it yesterday. I think um, I was finally going through my shelves, and instead of like, oh, I should really read this, I'm like, no, not should. Do I want to? If it's just I should, get rid of it. I'm not obligated to read or hang on to anything here. Yeah, at all. Like I, I need to stop thinking that way. If I'm excited to read it and I want to read it, I'll keep it and I'll read it. If I just think, oh, I should read it only because it's been sitting on the shelf for five years, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that streamlining will lead to actually reading the stuff that's remaining too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually like I don't know last week or something. I, I don't know. I got um thinking about Harlan Ellison for some reason. I started watching some of his mm-hmm. commentaries because he, ha- he has his own channel on YouTube. And, uh, I'm subscribed to. <laughs> yep. And, um, you know, he has all his old sci-fi commentaries on there. Um, and unfortunately, Harlan passed, I want to say 2018, he passed away. Um, but anyway, he and one, one of... Uh, no, it wasn't actually his channel. It was uh, when Tom Snyder used to have the Late Late Show yeah. um, in the yeah. late 90s. Oh, God, I love them. I he, love them talking to each other. Oh, me too. Like, that, I, I was watching those. I kept watching, like, all the different interviews that they did together. Because um, Tom Snyder, he, you know, he, he was a great interviewer. And I, I, I really yeah. wish they still had a show like that, where it's just two people mm-hmm. sitting across from each other. I mean, there are shows like that. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think on the same level as Tom Snyder. Um, 
Like he was a great interviewer and I, and I love, I just love the back and forth and, and I love like when Harlan would, you know, tell jokes and stuff and you could hear like the crewman in the background laughing Yeah, like that, yep. like that's the best. I, I love that reaction more than the fake, you know, laugh track or a live studio audience where, you know, there's an applause sign. I'd rather just hear like the camera guy laughing because it was so funny. Um, so anyway, uh, on one of, uh, his interviews with Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Snyder brought up the fact that Harlan Ellison, I think, I can't remember if it was a quarter million books or, or like 400,000 books he has at his home. And I, I mean, I, I, I love Harlan Ellison's house. I, and, you know, when sci-fi was used to film there, I was like man, I want to, I want to go through that house and just look at all the books and everything. But anyway, Tom Snyder asked him, you know, well, you have all these books. Have you read them all? And he's like, well, no, I've, you know, I've read a lot of them, but you know, what's the point of, you know, having books you've already read laying around? Like, I, you know, I like, I was like, that's brilliant. You know, now I don't feel so bad. You know, like I used to, like when I used to watch sci-fi was, I used to think, man, you know, he, he's read a lot of books. But he's kind of like me, like where I, you know, like if I see a book, I'll buy it, but I may not get around to reading it anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I still think of that, that Twilight Zone episode with Burgess Meredith where, you know, yep. he, he's, you know, wants to read all these books. The apocalypse happens and he's happy because he doesn't have to work anymore. His wife's gone, you know, the world's destroyed, but he has all his books that he can read. Uh, and then, you know, cause he's got really thick glasses and his glasses break and then that's it. Um, that would be me, I think, you know, uh, some, you know, I, I, I keep saying, you know, like one day when I retire, I'm going to get to all these different books that I haven't, I've been collecting and now I don't feel as bad about it. Cause I always felt, felt kind of guilty, you know, like when I'd buy a book and not actually read it right away, put it to the side. But to know that Harlan Ellison did that too, I was like, okay, um, now I don't feel so bad. Uh, cause he's, you know, like, like I've mentioned before, Kev, he's one of my favorite writers and, and, uh, you know, someone I really looked up to. Um, and, and I love the fact that they, who, whoever convinced them to, to do that YouTube channel, uh, I'm so glad they did. Um, because it's, it's nice to have, you know him on youtube you know even though he's gone you know he still lives on you know hearing his voice you know you know listening to his commentaries uh and some of them are so relevant even to today you know like it's amazing um but anyway aside from you know watching harlan ellison uh the harlan ellison channel on um youtube um start okay uh star trek picard season three uh, they just did the eighth episode. There's two episodes left. Um, this is the best Star Trek that we've had in the modern era after, since Enterprise. Um, is it perfect? No. Like, there's still a lot of mistakes they're making, little nitpicking things. Not even little, but big nitpicking things that drive me nuts. Like, one thing I will say about the season that is absolutely driving me nuts is... Uh, the, uh, mystery box storytelling where, you know, you, you know, it's basically like lost. And I think it started with lost where, 
you have all these mysteries and you don't actually give the answers to these mysteries until later on and you keep you know introducing new mysteries and not giving answers and so we're going into episode nine and episode eight ends kind of on a cliffhanger because we still don't know what's really going on like this with uh uh picard's kid um you know because they keep pushing that mystery box further and further along and i'm thinking to myself uh you know like if you guys would just give us some answers it would make the season so much better um but that being said you know i am enjoying it you know it, it is i you know when the new episode comes out i watch it right away um which i haven't done with star trek in a long time um like i dropped off strange new worlds i think i'm gonna revisit that because uh the act one of the actors uh the guy who plays the chief engineer on the enterprise in strange new worlds he's going to be at vulcan this year uh he's he's an actor from calgary and i believe he's partially blind uh and his character that he plays on uh star trek uh, strange new worlds he is an anar which is a, a species of andorian and he's blind because um, uh, i think ain all anars are blind i think so he's actually a blind guy playing a blind character on star trek so uh, but you know he's probably one of my favorite characters from that show so i i think i'm gonna go back and and continue watching that but uh star trek picard uh this week we got finally got the original crew back together the original TNG crew with except Tasha and Wesley. Uh you get we have basically the Star Trek Nemesis crew back together. Um and it was great to see everybody. You know, and they brought data back again. Spoilers. Uh but this time it actually felt right. Like they actually did it properly. Um and they came up with an explanation for Brent Spiner looking old that I think actually works. Um, so, so yeah, you got the, the whole, you know, TNG cast back again. And I think it's wonderful, um, seeing them all sitting together and having to work together. And, uh, Amanda Plummer, uh, who played the, the you know, the villain, um, spoilers. She's not going to be, well, I don't think she'll be in the last two episodes but she might be i i don't know i don't i wouldn't think so but uh up until this episode um she kind of played like a mustachio twirling bad guy but I, I i didn't mind that you know i like i liked her um hamming it up you know i i i like you know when we do that in science fiction when you got an over the top villainous or villain um but uh yeah if if anything, I, 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 I still recommend Star Trek Picard. Uh, is it perfect? No. Uh, but it is definitely a step up uh, for, for modern Star Trek. Uh, what else do I have to... Oh! Um, I said I'm going to see Super Mario tomorrow, so probably the next episode of uh, when we do Brain Candy, I'll be able to let you know what, what I think of that. Um but uh, I've actually been, you know, like I said, 
watching a lot of hockey lately with the Oilers doing so well. Uh, I've actually been watching baseball too. Um, I kind of got into watching baseball. Uh, well, I've always been a baseball guy, but kind of like in passing, like I, you know, like a lot of times I'll put it on when I'm at home. Um, but I'll do other things like read my comics or whatever and whatever, you know, like I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Blue Jays fan, uh, cause they're our only Canadian team now. Um, and I like the Chicago Cubs. Um, so I don't know. I just, uh, in 2020, they were the only, you know, new thing going on during the pandemic. Um, so, and, and into 2021. So I was watching, you know, baseball and then, uh, this year, I don't know, I was watching the spring training and, and, uh, you know, them being in Florida and Arizona. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this, you know? Um, so, uh, unfortunately I haven't been watching a lot of other things other than, uh, the Mandalorian, which I talked about earlier, Picard, um, and then baseball and hockey, um. But I, I got to watch The Bad Batch because I think that just ended uh, this week. Um, I like the first season of The Bad Batch. Um, so I know Ragnar wasn't really thrilled about this new season, but I'm definitely going to check it out. I know they have uh, The Emperor show up for, for a scene this season, so that's pretty cool. Um, I like seeing the, the Emperor you know, in the Senate and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, oh, comic books, um, reading She-Hulk. Uh, I've read this whole, this whole She-Hulk run and I really enjoy it. Um, I think the art's fantastic. I think it's, uh, you know, um, well-written. Um, I think they should have had this, this writer writing the show cause she's doing a ph phenomenal job writing She-Hulk. Um, and again, not that I hated the the show, but I definitely see people's criticism. I can I can understand people's criticisms of the She-Hulk show, um, but I didn't like that season finale. I thought that, that fourth wall breaking was just a little too much for for this guy. Um, but uh, the the comic is 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 really good. I highly recommend that. Um, and speaking of Disney. Uh, Dynamite is doing uh, a, a new series of uh, Darkwing Duck comic books, um, and I love Darkwing Duck. Uh, so I re I've just read the f I read the first issue yesterday. I think there's two more issues, um, and yeah, it to me it's 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 like watching you know uh, Darkwing Duck on the Disney afternoon again. Like it it is well written. It looks like exactly like the animation. Um, it's a lot of fun, so definitely check that out. Um, all right. Well, I think we can call this an episode, Kev. Uh, but before we go, uh, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. So Kevin, where can we find you, sir? All right. You can find me on most social medias. I'm at masked library, uh, masklibrary.com is my home blog. And uh, in addition to this show, I try to do stuff over at the Retro Network when I can. Excellent. Excellent. Um, occasionally I'll blog uh, at randomnerdness.blogspot.com. That's my um, 
my blog that I started in 2012. It's still going. I took a few years off somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, be sure to check out randomnerdist.blogspot.com. Um, also, uh, I'm the admin of several groups on Facebook. Uh, we have a group for the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. Um, so be sure to check that out. Uh, I'm also the admin of Lockhart's favorite animation and toy franchises. Um, I'm the admin for a group on Facebook called Outer Spaces, which is uh, space and space exploration and uh, space entertainment. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, I'm the admin of the Incredible Fans of the Incredible Hulk. So if you're a fan of the Hulk or the She-Hulk, um, be sure to check out that group on Facebook. That's that's the biggest group I have. Uh, we have over a thousand members. Um, and then last but not least, I have a group uh, based on the Star Trek podcast that I do called Trek 1701. Um, so be sure to check out those groups on Facebook. And uh, yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I try to post uh, every day on, on those groups. Um, and then, uh, oh, also with my Random Nerdness blog, I uh, start, I'm trying to do a weekly post where I talk or I show what comic books I'm buying that week. Um, because I go to the Midtown Comics app, um, usually on the weekend, and then I go through their comics, you know, the, the listings of the comics that are going to be coming out on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday for DC, Wednesday for everybody else. Um, and then I just take a screenshot of, of the comics I'm going to be, that i got to remember to pick up. Uh, because I, I uh, buy them digitally through my Kindle app. Um, so, yeah, I try to post that once I've got that figured out. I'll, you know, every week I try and say, hey, these are the comics I'll, I'll be checking out if you're interested. Uh, check them out, too. So that's, that's a new thing I'm doing on the blog. Um, all right. Well, on behalf of my co-host Kevin Decent and myself, Chris Lockhart... I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to Geek Fallout Reloaded. And we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.